All right, well, let's pray, hearts, and I pray, God, that you would give me grace to speak so clearly that it would just all come together in everyone's heart and mind. And Lord, I, I do pray, Lord, that tonight by your spirit that the light bulbs would just turn on, that there be a, a revelation and understanding of what your word has to say. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Sorry. All right, so t- tonight I want to talk to you guys about uh, the prophetic. And, you know, it's an area that I think a lot of people have a lot of questions and, and, there's, and there's a variety of reasons why there's so much misunderstanding, so much confusion about it. Um, it's, it's pretty, um, you know, it's one of those things that a lot of people don't even want to touch because it's controversial or because there's a lot of, it, when you start opening things up to things like this, it can kind of create a mess. And so a lot of times churches flat out say, hey, we don't do that here. You know, we know that that might be legit, but we don't do that here because it's just too much of a mess or too difficult, so we try to stay away from that sort of thing. But typically, um, most pastors, most churches do not really teach on it, and I think some of the reason, like I said, is, is um, fear of it, but a lot of it is just uh, they don't really know much about it. And so, you know, I think part of the reason is because when you look at the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, there's actually not a lot of direct teaching on the prophetic. Now, there's indirect teaching, but there's not a lot of A, B, C, point by point teaching on the prophetic. And what we do know is based off of Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, which if you know anything about the Corinthian church, you know they're really messed up. Like, we have some really good content because he kept correcting all their problems. And so they had a culture where a lot of people didn't really understand the gifts of the Spirit. And a lot of times, just like today, we think the gifts of the Spirit are awards rather than gifts. It's, you know, they think, I have attained a spiritual status. I have arrived. And so picture a culture where people get these gifts of the Spirit and they think it validates them. They think it validates their identity. They think that everyone should listen to them and view them as very spiritual because they received a gift. And if you know anything about a gift, you didn't work for it. A gift is something you get for your birthday, and it's not because you earned it. It's not like a wage. And so Paul has to come to the Corinthian church and be like, all right, guys, you're, 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 you're finding your identity. You're fighting. Your church services are full of people speaking in tongues. People are you know, shaka baba, all kinds of stuff with, with prophetic utterances. And the reality is, is you're not doing it from a place of love. And so I'm going to correct you, and I'm going to teach you a little bit of, about this. But you got to remember, when you read 1 Corinthians, and especially chapters 12, 13, and 14, the context is not, hey, this is what the church needs to do for all of eternity. It is actually more focused on, hey, these are some tidbits to a specific church that was going through specific problems. So as you read that, you kind of got to glean some things. And you kind of got to navigate that a little bit, even though it's, a lot of it is more indirect than direct. Does that make sense? Okay, so, so because there's not a ton of teaching that's directly based in the New Testament, a lot of it you can glean by looking at stories and looking at letters and kind of piecing together some things. So, but what a lot of times we do is with our limited understanding and our limited knowledge, we go to the Old Testament for direction on what a New Testament prophet should look like. And let me just say straight up, an Old Testament prophet is way different than a New Testament prophet. The role, the responsibility the functioning. Now, there is a lot of overlap, and you can glean a lot from the prophets in the Old Testament. But in the Old Testament, the prophets had a lot of power. They were the mouthpiece for God. They wrote at least two-thirds of the Old Testament. And so when you disobeyed a prophet, it was like disobeying God. Because they were so, they were God's mouthpiece. And so... I want to kind of look tonight at 
some scripture verses to give us a context, a little bit of the Old Testament, and then I want to step into the New Testament, and I want you to see how there is a definite difference in how uh, prophecy fits into the church in the New Testament. Because when we try to bring an Old Testament complex into a modern-day church, it leads to problems. And a lot of people don't know what to do with that because the prophet or the man or woman of God just walked up to me and gave me a prophetic word and said, I'm to marry this person or I'm supposed to go to Africa. Now, what do I do? What, what, do, you, what do you do with that when someone gives you a prophetic word like that? Are, are you disobeying God if you don't listen to the, the man or woman of God? So you can see how... Uh, we, we need to kind of walk through some of these things and what it will look like in a modern-day context. So I want to I start by looking in Deuteronomy chapter 18. And this passage of Scripture, in all honesty, really disturbed me when I, was, when I was younger and I didn't really understand much about the prophetic. So let's go Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18. This is Moses talking to the people. This is like his final sermon. It's just like his farewell sermon uh, addressed to the, to the people of Israel. So in verse 18, uh, Moses is prophesying about Jesus. He says, I will raise up for them, this is God talking through Moses, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words which he, that's Jesus, speaks in my name, I will require it of him. So he's saying here, guys, just like I have been the mouth of God to you, God's going to raise up, I mean, there's going to be prophets here and there, but there's going to be a prophet. And when this guy comes, which is Jesus, make sure you listen to him, because he will be the very mouth of God to you. And what's crazy, it says in, at the end of verse 19, I will require it of him. So when Jesus comes onto the scene to his own people who have been looking for him for, you know, many, many years, and the scriptures are very clear, and Jesus even kind of talks this way when he comes onto the scene. He expects them to recognize that God speaks through him. Think about that. You could say, well, how, how can we know that Jesus, you know, to, if, you were, if you were a Jew, you know, in, in, the, in the early days of Jesus, how, it's almost like God expected them to recognize his voice. God expected that when Jesus spoke, they would recognize God, and then they would be accountable to that. So I want you to just kind of think that thought through, because you, you see it all, all laced all through the Gospels, this idea that Jesus spoke what the Father was saying. He only did what he saw the Father doing. He only said what he heard the Father saying. And so Jesus is saying, when I speak to you, I'm speaking prophetically to you. And so I want to just, before I get any further, there, there were uh, you know, a series of questions that kind of, um, kind of directed a lot of the series that we're doing. And, and one of the questions you know, that, that was brought forth is, what is prophecy? What is the prophetic? And, and that's a really good question. And so just so we understand as just a very foundational idea, what is prophecy? What is the prophetic? And in the most simplest terms, the prophetic is basically hearing God's voice and then saying what you heard. That is, that is the most basic idea of what prophecy is. Now, Prophecy can be predictive about the future, but it doesn't have to be about the future. Prophecy can be directive, but it doesn't have to be directive. And so when people are speaking what they believe the Lord is saying, uh, oftentimes it will give people a sense about the will of God, the heart of God, and in, in some cases, we'll, we'll follow with an action. And we'll get more into this as we get into this. But the big idea, I just want to start with the most basic idea, that prophecy is when you hear and then you speak. 
That's the basic idea. Now, like I said, it can be about the future. It can, you know, it can be kind of a tricky dynamic because, for example, Jonah told the city of Nineveh, listen, God's going to wipe you guys out. Jonah's a legit prophet. He hears from God, and he says, God's going to destroy Nineveh in, I think, was it 40 days or whatever? And the people fast, they pray. Now, Jonah never tells them that if they fast and pray that God will cancel the plan. So God tells Jonah what to say. Jonah says what God tells him to say. That's prophecy. And then the people repent, fast, humble themselves. God changes his mind. Now Jonah looks like a false prophet. So Jonah's not happy with God over this. So, so sometimes prophecy may not be the way we process it. Sometimes we think, oh, God told me that there's going to be an international crisis in Europe and it's going to happen. Well, a lot of times God will tell you something because he wants you to pray it doesn't happen. So it's, it's kind of fluid. It's kind of fluid when you hear what God is saying. So um, anyway, so let's come back to this little verse here in Deuteronomy 18, and we'll pick it up now in verse 20. So Moses is still talking for God, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, that's God's name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that verse scares me because it comes across that if you speak for God and you miss it, you shall, you're going to die. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel safe with that scripture verse. And, and so for many years as a Christian, I would stay away from all of this because how do you know if you're right? How do you know if you nailed it? How do you know? And what is God, God going to be mad at me? Like seriously, you know, you think these thoughts, is God going to be upset with me if I misrepresent him or misspeak for him? And so, and, you, and so let's finish it up in verse 21. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? So they're saying, how, can, how do we know when a prophet gives a word, how do we know it's of God or not? How can we tell? This is how you can tell in the Old Testament. When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. So he, they're saying, if somebody comes up and he gives you a prophetic word and it comes to pass, take him serious. If he comes and he gives you a word and it goes the other way, you label them a false prophet. Don't be afraid of them. Don't do what they say. That is how Old Testament prophecy worked. Now, this is, this is, uh, this is where the crux of it then becomes. So in the Old Testament, who had the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them? Nobody. That's the beauty of the new covenant. The new covenant, and this is what we've been talking about here for many weeks now. The beauty of the new covenant is the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling on the inside of you. You are a temple, and in the Holy of Holies, the Holy Spirit resides in your temple, in your body. So a New Testament Christian has God inside of them. An Old Testament believer or saint does not have the Holy Spirit inside of them. So a New Testament Christian has been given the ability to discern truth. How can you discern truth? Because you have the Holy Spirit, your teacher, who dwells inside of you. So let's look at um, 1 John chapter 14. This is Jesus talking, kind of one of his last hurrahs with the disciples before he goes to the cross. And we're going to pick it up in verse 16. Jesus says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth. That's what you have living inside of you. You don't just have help. You have the Spirit of truth inside of you, whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, 
for he dwells with you and will be in you. You guys see that? Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit is not in you, but I'm going to send him, and when I send him, he's going to come inside of you. So when he's inside of you, he will lead you into all truth. And we'll see uh, further down in verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So the Holy Spirit is your instructor. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. The Holy Spirit is your ability to discern what is of God, what is not of God. Is this all making sense? Okay, let me make sure I haven't missed anything in flying through my notes. One thing I, I, I want to back up, because I, I just, I want to honor, when people ask questions, I want to honor that and, and, and kind of make mention of them. And one of them that was asked was, somebody said, coming back to the definition of the prophetic, um, somebody asked, can worship be prophetic? And I'm assuming by worship, they mean more the vocal worship. And the answer is absolutely. Because if you hear, so sometimes Katie or somebody else is up here, and they'll be just, you know, going with the song, doing the song, and all of a sudden, they are picking up on something. They start hearing something. And because they start hearing something, they maybe adjust or go after that something. And so when you start to say what God is saying, that is prophetic. And like I said, worship in that context can be prophetic. So um, I'm going to open this up for questions at the end. So just, you know, if you have questions, just kind of keep track of them because I'll, I'll bring them up here in a bit. Um, so looking at John chapter 14, let's look at this simple idea. Who can hear God's voice? Christians, Christians. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. So if you're a Christian, you have heard God's voice. Now you may stink at it, but you can't get saved unless you hear his voice. You can't. I don't have time to go and show you all the nitty gritty tonight, but that is how you come to faith. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So you hear, and hearing produces faith, and that is how you give your life to Jesus. He comes and lives on the inside of you, and now you have the Holy Spirit inside of you who's leading you and guiding you into all truth. So you can hear God's voice. So the next question becomes, who can prophesy then? It's scary to say it out loud, isn't it? Yes, yes. If you are a Christian, you can prophesy. Now, right now, some of you are like, I don't want to. It's, it looks so scary. We'll, we'll get into more of that in a bit. But what I want you to see here is that, all right, so, so last week, if you were here, Pastor Tim spoke about the different kinds of spiritual gifts. There are gifts given to us, so to speak, by the Holy Spirit, there are gifts in Romans chapter 12 that are given to us, I believe, at birth by God the Father. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, you see the gifts that Jesus gave to the church. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, if you want more content on this, you can go online on our website and click on the podcast to listen to it. But last week, Pastor Tim talked about how there is what's called the five-fold ministry. Now, one of the five is actual prophet. The word prophet is in the New Testament as a gift, and a prophet doesn't just have the gift of prophecy. They are the gift. And the reason why they are the gift is because they are hardwired, not necessarily, I mean, they are hardwired to hear God, but we all are hardwired to hear God, but they are hardwired to train and equip the saints to hear God for themselves. So what I want you to see here, in the Old Testament, the prophet speaks we listen to the prophet. In the New Testament, we all hear God for ourselves. We're all instructed by God for ourselves. But the beauty is that um, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14, because of abuse and correction, the apostle Paul starts talking about uh, tongues 
But he also talks about, and the interpretation, of course, but he also starts talking about how prophecy should function in a church environment. So before I move too ahead of myself, I want to look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Chapter 14. So, verse 1. The Apostle Paul is talking to a church, collectively, and in a sense, in a way, individually, but especially collectively. He says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So, it's an interesting thing because. Based off of Paul's writing here, Paul makes it out that anybody can prophesy. And why can anybody prophesy? Because you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I know I'm not able to dig deep in a lot of things tonight, so please be patient. But the Apostle Paul goes through nine spiritual gifts. Now, you may lean or be inclined to certain ones on that list of nine spiritual gifts. But know this, because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, he is the gift. He has all nine. He has all nine. So you may not view yourself as prophetic, but you were born to hear God's voice, and you are graced with the Spirit of God to prophesy. You have what it takes to prophesy. So looking at this, Paul is telling the church, I want you to pursue love, but I want you to desire spiritual gifts. What does that even mean? Well, the word desire, I looked it up, means to burn with zeal, covet, pursue, to strive after, and to exert oneself. So why would God want us to earnestly covet earnestly go after, earnestly desire the uh, prophecy if we couldn't do it. Does this make sense? All right. So, so th- this is what we have here. He is saying, listen, I want you to go after this. This is like, this is good. This is going to help people. I want you to prophesy. I want you to hear what God's saying. And I want you to speak what you hear God saying. So then, in verse 3, Paul says, But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. We'll come back to that later. Verse 4, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. That word edifies is to build up. Verse 5, I wish... You all spoke with tongues. I mean, I think a lot of churches want to burn that verse right there. I mean, there's even Pentecostal churches that don't want to do this because they're, they're afraid of what people think. I mean, we're, we're not championing this because it's the best way to grow a church. We are doing this because we actually believe it says it in the Bible. So we're stuck with it. We're just going with it. So I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Why? Because he goes on, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Now, Pastor Tim talked about this two weeks ago, so I'm not going to get too into this. But if you go and give a word in tongues, everyone's like, you know, unless it's like that situation where you're, you know, you're literally speaking the native tongue of the guy next to you. But, and that does happen. I've heard many accounts of that. But, but an ongoing basis, most people don't know these foreign languages. So if you just go and speak in tongues, it's not going to help anybody. But then there's a gift of interpretation. And when you give the gift of interpretation, it's essentially the equivalent of prophecy. Does that make sense? So he's saying here, I really want you, when you're in, collected as the church, I want you to have people that tell everybody else what they hear God saying. That is literally what he's saying. 
So I want to go now down to verse 39, where he says it again. Kind of near his conclusion statement in verse 39. Paul says, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly, there's that word again, to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. So why would Paul tell people, listen, don't forbid it? Because apparently there were people that were wanting to access it. Is this making sense? This church history sound like our present age? So we have a lot of you know, conflict over spiritual gifts just like 2,000 years ago. So I, just, so I want you to just see that, just that idea about how it's available. It is literally available for you to hear God's voice and then for you to say what you believe God is saying. Now, I want to come back for a moment, though, to uh, the Old Testament. Um, let's see here. Where would it be? Yeah, there it is. Okay. So, in the Old Testament, we just mentioned in Deuteronomy chapter 18, the context. If Rachel were to stand up among you and say a prophetic word, we would, we would not have, if Old Testament, you would not have the Holy Spirit to guide you in what is truth and what is not. And so, in the Old Testament, all of the responsibility, all of the accountability is on the person who gives the word. In the Old Testament, when a person, you got to remember, these people did not have the Holy Spirit inside of them. And in the day-to-day, the Holy Spirit wasn't really upon them. So when somebody starts prophesying in the Old Testament, something changes, and it's, it's an event. It's utterly obvious. Why? Because in, in, in the New Testament, it talks about a new covenant, and not only the Holy Spirit coming inside of you, but it talks about you getting a new heart. So now you went from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. You went from a wicked heart to a good heart. So in the Old Testament, you have a dry, crusty, wicked heart, and then all of a sudden, you're walking down the road, and you, have, you know if you read any of these Old Testament stories like Saul's hilarious, King Saul. King Saul's not even very godly. And he would just start prophesying and ripping his clothes off. And I mean, we do not want Old Testament prophecy. Here, we want your clothes on. So, but, but they... But Paul, Saul would just be walking his way, and all of a sudden, the spirit would just fall on him. And he just couldn't control himself, and he's laying on the ground naked, prophesying. That's literally what he did. And, and so, if you are in the New Testament, I know it's going to sound really funny, but it's actually harder to determine when God falls upon you. Because God is with you all the time. You hear God 24-7. He's talking in your dreams. He's talking when you're brushing your teeth. And here's the thing. You, may, you are his sheep and you hear his voice. But that does not always mean that you've been trained to decipher the difference. That takes years and years of experience. That takes time with God to learn his voice, to learn what he sounds like. Because as you spend year after year making mistakes, missing it, it starts equipping you like, okay, I thought I heard God, but that wasn't God, so it's time for me to not do that again. And you begin to discern what God's voice sounds like. Now, so in the Old Testament, it was an event, and it was obvious when God fell upon you. And all of the responsibility fell on the prophet because the people were powerless to discern if it was of God or not. That makes sense? In the New Testament, brand new heart, new creation, mind of Christ, fullness of the Spirit. God's with you all the time. You're, you're just living it up, and you are constantly hearing God, and you don't even notice sometimes. You go and you talk to your husband or your wife on the way to church, and you get to church, and Tim's preaching the sermon on what you talked about. You were hearing God. You were hearing God. That's, that's kind of how this works. So, but in the new covenant, in the New Testament, you are not powerless to discern the voice of God for yourself, but also through another person. That makes sense? So in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 29, the Apostle Paul says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. 
Now, that's a very interesting verse because picture, if you will, like, you know, you've been, if you've been around here, we've, it's not uncommon for us to have two or three prophetic words on a Sunday morning. But have you ever seen us actually judge it? Now, I know a lot of people in the congregation are judging it. <laughs> They've told me. They've told me. Because uh, I, I want to just go all over the place. I'm trying to stay organized. I'm trying. The thing is, is that in the New, uh, the New Testament church, the responsibility is always on you to pick up what God is saying. So if I come up to Rachel and I say, Rachel, the Lord told me that you're to move to West Virginia and you're going to live in a red house. Rachel does not have to obey me. She does not have to listen to me. I mean, unless we're both going together, I guess. <laughs> no, I, I'm submissive. Um, I, I'm no fool. <laughs> so, <laughs> segue. I need to get a little water. But the big idea then is Rachel is like, no, no, I'm going to, all right, I appreciate you telling me what you think God is saying, but now I'm going to pray about that. And I'm going to process if I think that's what God's saying to me. Because sometimes people give you a word and you're like, oh, that's exactly what God was telling me. And that is the best way to do it. That is the best way to do it. You hear God for yourself, somebody gives a prophetic word, and it's the exact same thing God told you. Now you have confirmation. And now you're like, ah, confident. I know I heard God. But if somebody comes to you and they give you a word and is out of left field, the temptation is A, you know, some people just don't know what to do. They're like, oh no, am I disobeying God? Or other people are like, you know, that, that you're, you are way off, buddy. Don't even bother. What the best way to do this is take the prophetic word, put it on the shelf. It might make sense in 20 years to you. You know what I'm saying? So, so don't necessarily discount it, but don't feel like you have to buy everything people are selling, even if they have an amazing track record. Because there are amazing people with an amazing track record, but I don't think I've ever heard of a, of a prophet in a New Testament context that has gotten it 100% right. I, I have not. I mean, I have given some prophetic words and I have nailed it, and I feel really good about myself most of the time, but there are times, especially when it comes to sports. I, I am not, I'm a horrible sports prophet. I like, try to get prophetic words for sports, and I get them wrong. You know? So, so it, there, are, there are things that affect our ability to hear from God. And, and, that, and so one, one of the things that I, uh, one of the questions that, that somebody gave, you know, kind of posted to us was, Okay, if two people are both hearing from God, they're listening to the Holy Spirit, how could they have two different political ideologies? Where one person's over here and one person's over there, and they both claim that God told them. Now, here's the thing. That is a good illustration that we, we see in part. That's what the scriptures say. We see in part, and we know in part. That means that anybody can miss it. Anybody can miss it. So this is where humility is so key to a healthy prophetic culture. Because when you tell people you can hear God's voice, they're like, I can hear God's voice. And you say, you can speak for God. Like, yes, I can speak for God. And you know what starts happening when people start nailing it? They start thinking that they're bulletproof. I mean, if you've been around here long enough to know, you, you know, if you've ever been in an environment where somebody, you go and you came up, come to somebody and say, hey, you know, I know that you believe God wants you to leave your wife, or I, you know, you want, God wants you to do this or do that, but I'm kind of questioning you right now because what you're saying is violating scripture. And you know what people say? Are you saying that I don't know how to hear God? <laughs> oh, boy. Listen, if you can't let other people judge your words, then you have a problem. Listen, if you want to be healthy, you hear God a lot. But there are things 
that can throw you off. And I don't say that to scare you. I don't want you to be afraid, but I want you to be humble. Because it's so key that we learn how to operate in community where we're not being controlled by some weird, you know, you know, cults have happened that way where other people are telling you what to do. That's not what I'm talking about. But I am talking about that, I, I, for example, I know uh, a friend of mine who's a missionary. He, uh, I believe, went to Europe several years ago. And um, he went to Europe believing, convinced, and confident that it was God, that he was supposed to go. And he went there, and the whole thing fell apart, and he knew it wasn't God. And he came back, and he went to, to the headquarters of their organization, and he just was so bewildered. Like, I thought I heard God. I thought I knew what God was doing, and the whole thing wasn't God. And his, the person who was kind of like his spiritual mentor said to him, well, when you were doing this, nobody could tell you anything. You weren't open. You weren't receptive. We, we wanted to, like, speak into your life, but you made the decision in a vacuum and you weren't open to anybody else. And, he's, and, and so I believe that a lot of times we make poor choices and poor decisions when we have this Elijah complex where I heard God and you're all wrong and I'm, you know, I just don't think that, I mean, I'm not saying there's never a time where people miss it, but I think humility is so key in, in, in learning to operate prophetically. So, when we give words on Sunday morning, when we give words in our connect groups, when we give words in our coming and our going, just relationally, like maybe tonight you're going to get a prophetic word for somebody while we're having dessert. Listen, you have to be okay with other people judging your word. Because if you think that other people can't judge you, then it means you're finding your identity in it. Listen, if you find your identity in being a prophet or being prophetic, you are set up for trouble. And that is what has caused a lot of damage to the prophetic because a lot of times people really want to be viewed as the prophet of God, right? And so one of the questions that was asked as well was something to the effect of, pretty much why when people give prophetic words are they oftentimes so kooky? That was literally the words of the question. And so, so, the, so the question is, why when people give prophetic words do they get weird? And I think, I think that's a good question and a lot of people are still trying to figure it out. Now, I, I, I'm going to give you a couple of reasons why I believe prophetic words get weird. So the first thing is because they watch somebody else do it and they think that's how it's done. So if you grew up in church and Aunt Edna or whoever they were spoke in King James and kind of swirled or something, you think that's what you do. That's what you think. That is part of the gig. You get weird. But listen, I'm going to tell, tell you guys, the, I mean, this is funny, but this is the honest truth. Some people, just the reason why it comes across weird is because they are weird. That's the truth. That just, some people are just, they just come across weird because that's who they are. Now, I want you, and I always want to, I'm like, I'd say to people, like, can you show me a scripture verse that says that God doesn't use weird or offensive people? Right? I mean, is there, if, if it's a gift and it's not based off of works, then what is it based off? Grace. So God, I, I mean, God will speak to people that are autistic. God will pe- speak to people that are special. God will speak through children. He will speak sometimes through sinners. I've known people that they, they would literally get stoned. They'd be smoking marijuana, and they would start to prophesy. And they kept prophesying words of that, hey, we shouldn't be doing this, and we're in sin, and we need to stop smoking this, and we need to, and that was, they started, and their friend was like, if you keep doing this, I'm not going to smoke with you. <laughs> so, so, I, I mean, God can talk through a donkey. I'm not saying they were, but I'm saying God can talk through a donkey. So, it's not, it's not like we need to get all insecure about this. So, 
I said, let's see, try to remember what I said. The first reason I said was because that it, people get weird is because they were taught it. The second reason is because they are weird. Now, the third reason, I should look at my notes to make sure I don't forget anything. Give me just a moment. This is, this is important. I can't botch this. Oh, yeah. Okay, I already kind of mentioned that a lot of times people find their identity in it, and they, they act very Old Testament like John the Baptist or something. But finally, and the, I think this is such a huge part of it, and the Lord really has had to kind of work on me in this area over the years, and that is this idea that when you feel the presence of God come upon you, when you feel like God speaking through you, sometimes we, we really want people to know, hey, I'm really talking for God right now. Like, I want you to know something. You know, it's kind of like when people fight, they start yelling and using swear words. It's like, oh, now that you're swearing, I, I, now you, you won your argument. We were arguing, and now you started swearing, and now I know you're right. You're yelling louder than me. Obviously, you make more sense. Does that, isn't that how it works? So when a person goes and, they, and they're trying to deliver a prophetic word, if, it, if they're shaken, if they're, oh, you know, if, if they get all juiced up, that's their way of saying, hey, you really need to listen to me because I'm anointed. And I really, really, really want you to get this. And usually it does more harm than good. Now, years ago, the Lord spoke to me in, in, in just a wonderful encounter that I had with God where the Lord spoke to me and he said, now, I'll back it up first. I listened to a person, his name's Chris Valentin, talk about this. So that's where the, this idea came from. And then I'll tell you what the Lord kind of spoke to me. So Chris Valentin, he used this great uh, imagery to describe what it's like. Now, when Daniel Merrick, let's see here. Yeah, it's the red, isn't it? I think so. All right, when Daniel Merrick speaks, it's like red text. When I talk to you, it sounds like Daniel, it feels like Daniel, it's red. But when God comes and speaks through me, there's, so to speak, a blue that goes on top of the red. So when I speak under the anointing of the Spirit, excuse me, the anointing, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the anointing. The Holy Spirit breathes on what Daniel is saying, and all of a sudden, this, does not, this is not Daniel Merrick anymore. This is the Holy Spirit speaking and breathing on what Daniel is saying. Now, I might use my own terminology. I might use my own, you know, I might speak in English. But even though I'm talking, and you know it's, it's my, my lingo and everything, but there's a grace on it. That's the blue on the red. When someone is speaking prophetically, there should be grace on it. There should be blue on the red. No yelling, shouting, weird antics will make it anointed. And it doesn't and sometimes you don't even feel anointed. Sometimes I have spoken words that were so God but felt so limp coming out of my mouth. But I cannot tell you how many times I said what I thought God was saying, and when I spoke it, other people resonated with it. You, have you ever been there where you've heard a prophetic word, and that prophetic word, it came alive to you? Why? Jesus said, the words that I speak to you are spirit, that's Holy Spirit, and they are life. So when God speaks, there's grace on it. Now, sometimes people miss it, and there's no grace on it. I'm, I'm just, you know, I hate to say it like that, but there are times where people go, and they are speaking a prophetic word, and you're just like, you know what? It wasn't false prophecy. It was just bad prophecy. You missed it. That, that's a tough place to be, but it's a great place to grow if you don't find your identity in it. Does that make sense? Now, I want to do a Q&A, so I need to land this plane. I'm going to try to do a few quick things here. Oh, boy, I really need to get going. All right, so I want to come back to verse 3 of chapter 14. But, uh, verse 3, but he who prophesies speaks edification. Edification means to build up. Exhortation, which means to call near and comfort to men. So when you prophesy, 
This is the filter or the grid that you should prophesy through. Is this going to build them up? Is this going to draw them closer to Jesus? Is this going to bring comfort? Because a true prophetic word, 99% of the time, will fall under this category. Boy, there's so many things I want to tell you guys. They're like flashing through my mind like crud. All right. So what I want you to see then is you should never give a prophetic word that you wouldn't want for yourself. A lot of people have done a lot of damage to the prophetic community by saying things that they thought were God, such as I heard a story one time about a newlywed couple many years ago and someone turned around in church and said, hey, I feel like God gave me a prophetic word for you. Um, your husband's going to die in the next seven years, and you're going to be like a widow who seeks God the rest of your life and just be single. Now, some people need to learn what their mama taught them when they were like four. They, you know, you don't, you don't be dumb. So, you know, so you, you've got to understand, there's got to be a filter for experimentation. Because if you wait until you know that every, you know, because some people are like, I, I only give a word when I know it's God. I'm like, listen, you're going to miss a lot of words then. Some of, sometimes God speaks like strongly and sometimes God speaks lightly. And both are God. And if you say, and this, this is what I, the Lord told me years ago, is Daniel, if you just say what I'm saying and try to say it as normal as you know how, which, you know, hopefully I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be normal, I'm trying to quit. If you just say what I say and try to act as normal as possible, I will put the blue on the red. I will put the grace on it. And people that I'm talking to, they're gonna, they're gonna pick it up. They're gonna recognize the grace and when they recognize the grace, then the word will be established for them in their lives. So when you prophesy, it should be for building up. It should be for drawing people closer to Jesus. It should be to comfort them. And if it's not, a good, if it's not something that you would want, you should not give it. Also, I've heard some communities say, and I, I think this is the way it should be, they say no dates, no mates, and no babies. And I think... You know, I'm not saying that a mature prophet of God, world-renowned, can't t- do that. But I'm saying for the average Christian, you have no business prophesying dates. You have no business prophesying who people will marry. And you have no business prophesying babies. So I'm, if you are a legit prophet with a proven track record, that's one thing. But I'm talking about you need to stay in safer places where you can learn to grow in your gift. Does that make sense? So I, I want to talk more, but we're going to move on to one final thing that people kind of wanted to know, and that is a little bit of the prophetic as it pertains to Sunday morning. So, sorry, I need that. Um, so let's, let's take a moment to just kind of look at Sunday morning context. So a lot of people do not like the way we do words of... Um, Prophecy and words of tongues with interpretation on Sunday morning. And the reason why they don't like that is because, I don't know why they like it, but we're going to move on. But it's, it's weird. It's weird. It's all, you know, and sometimes, and sometimes people miss it. Sometimes people miss it. But what we ask is that we don't want to shut down the gifts. We want people to grow in their gifts. And I believe the best place to grow in your gifts is actually not on Sunday morning. I believe the best place to grow in your gifts is in a smaller context like a connect group. So I believe, like I've practiced hearing God playing card games. And then I would win because I was hearing God. So there are safer ways to learn how to hear God's voice. And then, I'm not saying you can't experiment on Sunday mornings because I've learned a lot by experimenting on Sunday mornings. But I'm just saying the best way is to do it in a safe environment where you can grow in your gift and you can get a track record for being right and learning what God's voice sounds like. And when you speak, don't say, thus saith the Lord, because that, that means, like, first of all, nobody can judge this word. 
And second of all, what if you're wrong? Oh, I'm never wrong. Oh boy, then you are deceived. If you, if you think you never miss it, then you are deceived. So, you, we, shut up, Daniel. Go fast, go fast. Okay, I'm going to end this. I'm going to end this, I promise. So, Sunday morning, if you believe the Lord's given you a word, then the best way to do that is to come up to like me or Tim or you know whoever's kind of up in front and kind of officiating and just be like, hey, I got a word. Now, what if you're not sure? What if the word's just for you and not for everybody else? Well, say, I think this is what I'm getting. And then we can determine if we feel like that's God or not God. And if we miss it, don't worry, Jesus is still okay with us. And if you miss it, Jesus is still okay with you. It's not like, it's not like he's going to be angry and upset. We're going to do the best we can with what we got. And sometimes, you know, we, this is what God's doing and sometimes not. So also, we don't want people coming with a prepared prophetic word. The way, this, the way we do this at Abundant Life is we believe that when we praise and when we worship, God inhabits the praises of his people. So God begins to manifest his presence in worship. And a lot of times that's, as we focus on Jesus, we start to hear him. And so a lot of times people will go and say, oh, I'm getting a word. We want the spontaneous words that are coming in the moment. Not the words you got on Tuesday. You maybe got a word on Tuesday, and if you want to share that word from Tuesday, you need to sit down with Tim and and share the word with him and make sure it passes the buck. There is a protocol for how we do things, and the way we do it is not to control people, but to create a space where people can grow in a safe and healthy environment. I wish I could keep going, but I need to stop for Q&A. So, getting attacked by a fly here, apparently... They want me to be done too. All right, so I want to do a little bit of Q&A. Myself or Tim will answer. Does anybody have any questions? I know I was all over the map. Hang on, let me get yeah, you. Yeah, we want to get I this recorded get... for people online. Get you to the You're going to be on, on the internet. <laughs> what if you give a word and you have no idea what God is saying through that word? You know, and they kind of want some insight, but you can just say, this is what I heard God say about you. And all you may be able to say is, you know, God sees you. Yeah, well, you know, know, I think one of the, if I understand you correctly, one of the important things about giving a prophetic word is not adding to it. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of times we're better to just take the parable that God gives us than to try to milk it for all it's worth. So does that answer your question or or are you asking more specifically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? And see, that's the beauty of, yeah, it's the beauty of, of, of practicing. is just being like, hey, when I was praying for you or whatever, I saw a fire hydrant. Does that mean anything to you? And most likely they're going to be like, no. Sometimes it will, but most of the time it's not. And, and, yeah, yeah. And see, that, and that's where it comes down to spending time seeking God for those answers. But see, God talks in parables. Jesus talks in parables so those who are hungry will search them out and find them. Does that make sense? It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, the glory of kings to search it out. So a lot of times, it, it does take some digging. It really does. I don't, know, I don't know what else to tell you because I have like dozens of parables I'm still trying to figure out right now, but I'm trying to steward them and see God about it. Any other questions? This is a new message for me, and okay. I'm trying to process it. And my question is, you know, a lot of times we'll say, God, put this on my heart, and you share it. Here's my question, because this is I'm processing this prophecy. The difference between a prophecy and, say, somebody's opinion or advice. Can you kind of help me out? Well, Distinguish this, because... Well, I'm, a person should not give their opinion or their advice in a prophetic word. And, and in quite honestly, and there's another thought, a person should not bring correction through a prophetic word. Does that make sense? Uh, but so when you are sharing what you believe God is saying, 
I believe one of the safest things you can do is to just say, listen, I don't know if this is God, but this is what I think God is saying. And if there's grace on it, then God will take care of it. Does that make sense? Because I may or may not be hearing God, but if there's grace, then the grace on that will move forward in that person's life. But yes, you want to stay away from your own opinions because you'll do way more damage. Good. Yeah. Yeah, God knows people's address. I mean, you, you, if, he, if, if, you, if you're getting hearing from God and they're not getting the memo, God will send other people into their lives. And some people can be kind of hard to work with, pretty dense. <laughs> but that's their own choice. Any other questions? I just have one. If, and if somebody else has one, that's great. Uh, how does a prophetic word begin in your mind? As a, as a matter of practical... Does it sound like you see words? Do you hear words? Do you, how does it, how does it begin downloading to you? Or what are some other ways that you've heard? Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, well, there, there's a lot of ways that people, I, I've heard of hearing God, like some people will see words literally and in, in they're almost like imprinted on their, on, you know, on their, on their eyes or whatever, like in their mind's eye or whatever. You know, some people are more seer based. They see external visions, but most people see internally, as in they'll see simple things in their minds. I'm talking, you would be shocked at how many times God spoke subtly through a little mental image in your mind that you didn't think was anything. So that is always something to look out for. Um, You know, for me, lately, a lot of it has been dreams. For me, I think a lot of it is impressions where I'll just feel this, this nudge a nudge, I don't, or, or, you know, some people even call it like your gut. One of the ways that I have heard God over the years is I just know things. Um, there are times when I'm literally praying for people, and all of a sudden, I just know, oh, they're afraid of this. Oh, they're concerned about their kid. I just, I just know things. I, I, I just know in my knower. Um, so there's feet, kind of more. A lot of people are feelers, where they sense. They can't put it into words, but they just feel like they should buy that car, or they feel like they should take that job. And that is a legitimate way to hear God. There's, there's feeling, there's seer, perceiving, which is more of a visual thing like you were kind of mentioning. There's the knowing, and, and then there's the hearing, which hear, hearing um, is also another way that I hear God a lot. I don't know how to put it into words, but I'll just be going about my day, and I just, sometimes I'll just hear something like, the Lord saying, you know, I, I, don't, I can't think of an example right off the top of my head, but I just, I just, I just hear it in my, in my spirit. I don't know how to describe it. But I can usually, people that hear, usually they can tell you exactly where they were when God spoke it to them. Like I was, you know, walking down this alley, and I was at this spot, and I heard God say, you know, it's time to find a new job or whatever. Does that help? Does that answer your question? Yeah. I think God does a little bit different with everybody because for me, I've given a few words too. And I don't hear the full words before I say them. Mm -hmm. And I remember one time here, um, sitting in the back row, and I had this, you feel the spirit come upon you. And then I felt like somebody's hand was on my back and I walked all the way to the front and Tim was saying the, the ending prayer. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I was supposed to get up there and say something, but I had no idea what it was. Mm-hmm. So it just yeah. comes out of my mouth Yes. at that yes. time. I don't get the words first. Yeah, that's, that's very normal. Is you know, I, I, I wouldn't go on and on. There, there's almost as many different ways as there are people to hear God's voice. And that is why it's, this is such a relational thing because God may speak to you differently than he speaks to me, but that's why you build that relationship and you build that track record of what God sounds like. And obviously, we, I just want to say you, you measure it with scripture, but you also measure it up with your track record and what other people that you believe hear God in your life have to say. But yeah, that's, that's very common for a lot of people. And I've been in there. 
where I literally walk onto the stage and I don't know what's about to come out of my mouth and I say the next thing. That's literally how it has worked for me sometimes. All right, probably one more question. Anything else? Well, good job, everybody. I'm sorry if it felt like I just was all over the map. But um, you guys want to stand up? Um, I believe we have, what do we have back there again? We have ice cream. Thank you, Jesus. So we have, we have ice cream bars back there. I'm going to pray a closing prayer. Then we'll be dismissed and you get, get your sugar. Father God, I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would unlock God and what you've deposited inside of us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would just bring such revelation to every person, God, that, God, that it wouldn't just be about hearing your voice. It'd be about relationship with you. God, we want to be your friend. We want you to share your secrets with us. God, I ask that you would help each and every one of us to grow in, our, in just that closeness with you. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would increase our hearing. If there's any dull places in our heart, God, we just repent if we've done anything to become dull or hard of hearing. But Lord, we just offer ourselves to you. And we say, Lord, we're your kids. We want to hear your voice. We offer ourselves to you. And we say yes to you in Jesus' name. Amen.